1: Hello and welcome back to the Man, oh the Champ Man on the Post podcast, excuse me, I got confused, so many years to do Man on the Post. Uh, we are back, we are here for episode number 8, I am of course your host and with me my co-host, he doesn't really need any introduction but he's going to get one anyway, it's Mr Dave Black. Hello. <laughs> I I, it was
2: weird uh... I, could,
1: I could say you don't need any, any, any introduction and then what do I say, just wait for you to say hello. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of head and box a corner there very early on. Yeah, do that. <laughs> how are you mate? Yeah, good, good. It's, uh, we've actually got every chance of getting this out in August, <laughs> um, <laughs> even though we might wait till the 1st, because bank holidays kind of ruin everything uh, yeah, in yeah. terms of publishing stuff. That's fine, as long as people know we've actually done this in time. It has been recorded uh,
1: but... in the month of August. It is the 25th as we speak. <laughs> yes, we're kind of close. that's good. And we've
2: got Ah, first. This is actually quite early. We've got three good, <laughs> ge- three good guests as well. I'm really looking forward to it, uh, this episode. So join us shortly. We'll have we'll have Stephen, um, who you might know as Fifey or Swindon Devils, if you're a Chapman or 1 or 2 Super League fan. Uh, and then uh, Nikolai is going to come in to talk about uh, some Chapman 9788 tactics. And, of course, we set a challenge involving these la- uh, last, well, I say last month, as we just alluded to yeah. earlier this month. But, you know, uh, and then we're finishing with we're going global, Ross. Yeah, we're bringing far. in uh, we're bringing in Daniel Garb, who is an Australian broadcaster, um, who we we were tipped off as a as a Chumpman Man fan, um, and he's mm-hmm. going to be talking to us about Champman from the other side of the world. It's going to be his breakfast and our evening. So yeah. we'll say I'm looking forward to that.
1: He's going to talk about Harry Kew Mark for most of that interview because mm-hmm. I'm going to force him to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, see that you can almost hear people turning off. Can't you? <laughs>
1: Oh, well, you can hear that later on, anyway. Um, so, yes, uh, let's get straight into our first guest then, shall we?
2: Yes, let's do that. Stephen, how are you, sir?
0: Um, very well. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on. Right. I we'll can confirm that they're not lying. It is August. Um, <laughs> I am only in Leicester. I'm not in Australia or Jamaica or anywhere else more fast.
2: Well, there's a lot to be said for that. <laughs> <laughs> How have how have you been during uh, these last, well, in particular, last sort of six, five, six months of, of craziness? How how have you have you coped during it all? I think is the word. Um, hmm. uh, fortunately, in in most cases,
0: unfortunately, in more sort of self-important cases I've been in a position where I've not had any time off work so while everyone's been getting nice and brown in their gardens I've been getting dressed up in shirt and trousers and shoes and Ooh.
2: dragging myself I- I've worked throughout lockdown but from home um and I tried my work trousers on the other day because I'm going back next week and they just don't fit anymore so <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's a problem which we'll have to overcome in the next in the next 10 days but here we are um, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I guess in many ways it, you know, it's good you've, you've been able to work in lockdown, because plenty of people haven't um, in, in, in many different ways. So um, how has it affected your, your champ, Manning? Have you uh, you've been playing any more, any less, or has it really been unchanged?
0: Well, in, in fairness, and for those that have followed the uh, the story of whether it's Fifey 07 or Swindon, it was quite mm-hmm. infamous that I was playing uh, or taking part in things like Super League, and didn't actually have the game, so it was only during while everyone was on lockdown uh, that I was finally able to get over my uh, technophobe issues and, and get the game downloaded again and started playing 102 properly over the last three, three, four months. Oh,
2: wow. Yeah, well, so that's...
0: definitely increased game.
2: <laughs> ah, well, that's good. So, um, where did? Uh... Where did the man story begin for you? We always ask our, our guests, where, where, when did you start playing the game? What your earliest memories of it all?
0: Uh, my earliest memories, my dad and my older brother um, played it. Um, they played from probably around about very late 90s. They started playing it, but I was only just getting into football. I was like eight, nine years old. My earliest memory playing it would have been around about... 2000, 2001 time. Right. Um, and what I used to do was um, during the summer holidays, mainly when my family uh, on one side would come to visit, because I was up in Scotland and they'd come up for the summer from sort of around Swindon area. Um, my granddad was a Partick Thistle fan. we oh, yeah. planned to go and watch one of their early games in the season because it was during the summer holidays. And generally, what would happen is I'd go home then and play like a St Mirren or a Falkirk or something whoever they played because I was I'd sort of recognised some of the player names
2: yeah and um, Hardick Thistle in particular run quite quite heavy in, uh, in Chapman history for us anyway um, they you know, hopefully you are with the story but in uh, in 97 they've got four or five wonder kids and no one really knows why Um <laughs> We we, we tracked the researcher down. He was just like, to be honest, I just over I overestimate how good they are. So it's uh it's good that um you know all roads lead to politics, even in your early champ man days.
0: <laughs> I mean, I um in, in my spare time, what I have of it, I I write blogs about football, and I've done various series where I've caught up with with ex footballers and stuff, and. I, uh, not too long ago, I actually did one with Jerry Britton from Partick Fistle as well, which was very interesting one. I, I really enjoyed that. It's definitely one of the best
2: interviews I've done. Oh, nice. What's, what, what's uh, his crack then? Was he part of that, that team in the sort of early 2000s, or was he pre- predating that? Uh,
0: yeah, he, he was part of the team around the time I was getting into it, and he was part of that sort of fistle team that got from Division 2 into Division 1 into the SPL Um but yeah, I, I got the chance to talk to him for probably a, a good hour, um, which I, I was really shocked when it came about. But I spoke to him for a, probably a good hour and uh, yeah, he's, he's got good banter. But, and obviously he, he's in a, a high position job at the club now, uh, chief exec or, or, or a position similar to that. Mm. But he was really down to earth and spoke openly to me. And, uh, you know, we spoke about people like Alan Archibald and, and all that sort of thing. It was really good.
1: Nice, I like that you had uh, your dad's influence getting into the game because I didn't really have that but then mine my, my and Dave's situations are pretty similar at the minute. we both got young kids we are now those dads that are going to get our kids into these games.
0: <laughs> oh well I hope you have better luck than me because cause my boy's 11 now and uh, he, he does come um, to sort of one game a season with me yeah. but he's, he's not remotely interested in
2: football. Oh really? I'm struggling. Yeah. So yeah I mean I don't, really, I don't want to force it on him. I kind of want him to get there himself. Like my wife always says, he's got no chance of not liking football because yeah. it's literally always on in our house, more or less. Um, but I mean, there's every chance he won't. Like I think nowadays, especially, there's so much more for kids to do. Um, yeah. Sort of again, back in my day, um, <laughs> we were just out, we were just out playing football all the time outside anyway, and you yeah. know, it was just how it was. Uh, but now there's there's less of that, I think. Um, it's it's not a particularly great world at the minute outside of uh, your own home, so hopefully that'll be cleared up uh, in a few years by the time my boy gets the chance to do that sort of thing. so. And Ross, your, your little girl must be, what, six now? She's six, yeah. Old?
1: She's got two leads. Uh, uh, she, we took her to Adam Road a few weeks back when we went to Yorkshire, and, yeah, she she said, can we go to a game? Like, Hell yeah, we can go to a game. Just when <laughs> we're allowed, we can go. <laughs> well...
2: <laughs> And how it works out when they when they have a podcast when they're um <laughs> they t- talking about about their dads forced them into football. <laughs> we'll, we'll know we've done parenting right. Yeah, definitely. Um, just David, um, our paths kind of crossed a few years ago, but we've particularly spoke a lot recently because you started uh, uh, the cmo One or Two All Firm Challenge. Um, now, in the last episode, we talked to Sam um, Mourinho, who was doing a similar kind of thing. It was the chairman? I think it was called. Um, and I kind of missed the start of that. So when yours popped up, I, w- I couldn't resist getting involved. And mm-hmm. I think I said to you over DM, to be honest, you came along at the right time. Cause I was in a proper bit of a funk with Chapman where I'd kind of, felt like I'd reached a dead end. I kind of doing a lot of stuff in the last what six years or so I've been doing this. And I've just mm-hmm. ki- kind of hit a brick wall, but your challenge came along. Would you like to explain just what it's all about and, and uh, how it's gone so far? Well, I,
0: to be fair, it's gone bigger and better than I expected it to. Um, it was actually the, the chairman one which inspired me. It was the first. There's been throughout lockdown a lot of the, the races um, through France and Germany and, and various um, incarnations of it, which have all had good receptions. Um, but I never really got involved because I was at work. I couldn't commit to it. Mm-hmm. And then the chairman one came along at Crystal Palace. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. And uh, and I really enjoyed it. I liked the niche little challenges. And uh, and when, unfortunately, I had a, a technical fault on my laptop where I wiped the game off after about two and a half seasons. Oh, no. <laughs> so I just dropped to uh, CM Mourinho a message and said, is there anyone lined up to do the next one? If not, I have an idea. It was loosely based on the chairman one where I wanted to kind of pit people against each other. So it wasn't just a race. It was sort of one versus one. And... Yeah. Um, and he said that there was one other lined up, but uh, I spoke to them and they said, "Well, I'm not setting stone ready to go. So, if you want to go for it," and I thought a lot of the races are about start at the bottom and work your way up. So I want to do something different. I want to start at the top and get big, especially. And I played it against my, my super my Super League character because I don't know if, if you watch much the Super League, but my team are always are always poor. We're rubbish. <laughs> I've never known anyone get as much bad luck as I've had over the last however many years the Super League has been going. I think I've won s- ten games in about six seasons. I don't get it. I can't I just can't get before <laughs> What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna split the managers in half. Half of them are going Rangers, half of them are going Celtic, and we'll have a head to head battle to see which team reigns supreme in Glasgow.
2: Yeah, and it's um it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm happy to say I'm, I'm on the Celtic side of things. Um, to be honest, I think they're probably weaker than Rangers, but there's not know. an awful lot in Is uh, this I mean, the York
1: Alberts Rangers, is it that?
2: No, it's, a, it's it's a one or two, so Rangers. Ah, okay. but, um, but Barry Ferguson, who's a god. Oh, yeah. Um, Torrented Flo, who's far too good for the SPL.
0: Celtic's come yeah. up with Larson, Sutton and Hartson up
2: front and... Well, well, admittedly, that helps yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so but, you know but neither side can really complain there's enough there to work with to be quite honest with Not you. Bad. It's, kind, it's kind it's kind of what you make of it yeah. um, but, but some of the challenges so far so the tender run for about 6 months of game time um things like to do which i've had to start i'll be starting tonight is i've got to sell everyone who's over 31 um depending on which side comes out on top they get the the better challenges um the ones who who lose get the, the you know the the worst challenge and it's just a different way of playing the game it's really enjoyable um what's
0: what's been good for me and and what's interesting because i've actually it's a five season game that i've planned and i've got in front of me now i've got a a whole dossier of what the challenges are in the order i've planned them Mm -hmm. but what's interesting is i'm actually getting people message me saying you should throw this in as a challenge and i think there's been three occasions so far where i've said to people Stop getting ahead of yourself. It's coming because they've got the (laughs) same. The only one, well, there's been two that have changed through ideas, um, and you'll remember these. Is um, CM on the Rocks got in touch, and he suggested that there should be. His one affected Rangers badly, Um, and I can't um. think now. What did he make me do? I'll have to get my. my Made me get them to do something terrible because they lost. Because what I do, the first half of the season, you're playing for yourself to get the better challenge in the second half of the season. Right. And then in the second half, you're playing for your team so the Rangers or Celtic win that season, combined points with all the players. And uh, and Rox got involved. He sent me a message, and I thought, you know what, I like that. Oh, his was the hunted challenge, where, because everyone was pulling out undefeated seasons and winning all the trophies season one, he suggested everyone should drop points at the start of the season so that because Celtic won I told them to drop points in the first seven games <laughs> and Rangers as a as a sort of punishment I had to drop them in the first 10 games
2: and then see if you could catch it up um, yeah that, that that was really a good twist on it to be honest because as you say with, with Celtic I mean I think anyone who plays with Shaman regularly will probably will probably piss the SPL with, with Celtic yeah. um but most of the time by the time you've signed all the usual players, which I've tried to avoid doing, um, just for, to be even more different. But um yeah, I think starting effectively nineteen points down on range I think I was. Oof. I got I got within six and I lost at Ibrox, which effectively killed my challenge with about six games to go. Um but they're they're obviously strong. Um they had a bit of a nightmare in the first season on mine but uh, They've got money to spend. I think they've got Michael Bridges now as well. So they've got Bridges and Floor up front, So they're, um, wow. they're pretty diff- pretty difficult to chase down. Yeah. Um. And uh, no, it's it's good fun though. I'm enjoying it. And uh, like I say, it's, it's given us something to work towards. Um, something I haven't done for a while. Um, and I guess I'm just enjoying playing it a bit differently. I've got a uh, soul, Henrik Larsen, after the first season. To be honest, I kind of, I, I envisioned at some point a, a challenge where he had to leave. And I thought he's already 30. So I may as well cash in him now. I think someone off just 24 million from him. Um, I was like, well, I may as well bank the cash because I can see him going one way or another in a few, a few seasons. I think the recent challenge I've got to sell him who's over 31, I think he'd have been caught up in that. I can kind of think off the top of my head, but yeah, am pleased, pleased I cashed in him when I did. Um,
0: yeah, no, that's right. Cause I've just had a message from one of the other Celtic managers who's watched the video. Cause that's the one thing I'm doing is instead of just posting challenges, I'm doing videos and one yeah. of the other Celtic managers was saying, there's not a snowball's chance that I'm selling Henrik Larson. <laughs> so he going to take whatever point deduction I decide just so he doesn't have to sell him.
2: Well, I saw him replacing him with Paul Merson. And uh, Merson got to make got 39 goals across the season. Um, but now, of course, he's over 31. So he's had to be... Uh, he's no longer a player. He's just a coach at Celtic. But I'm hoping... The other thing I'm
0: finding interesting is is people are trying to get into my inner psyche and trying to second guess how I'm doing it. Because all the other races, you find out in advance how you can earn the points. I don't announce it till after the challenge is over how I'm scoring it. So people, um, for example, in season one, I suggested to people that they sign Danny Invincible from Swindon. um, And they've got points for doing so. But some of them now, in certain challenges, should have sold him. But they've said, I've had a couple of messages saying, I'm not going to sell him because I think he's going to come up again. (laughs) If he's going to come up again or not. But it's interesting that certain people are trying to do it. It's like the, the one I've done for the current challenge is I've said, number seven is my lucky number. So I want him to be nicknamed Tartan Army. Obviously a bit of a Scottish ploy there. But certain people are saying, surely he has to be Scottish. I haven't said he has to be Scottish. I may have made a note down that if they pick a Scottish one, they get more points, or I might not have done, but they don't know. So they're all trying to guess whether it's okay to pick Stigalko or Barry Ferguson or Mpenza, whoever they've bought, as number seven.
2: Yeah, I'll be honest. I messed this up and forgot to change the squad numbers. So uh, Joe Cool will, ta- will, be, will be tartan army for me, which is it could be work Joe, <laughs> Joe Cool will be pivotal, but he's not Scottish. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that pans out. Um,
0: all, but... all in all, I'm I'm really enjoying it, and and with what two and a half seasons? No, one and a half seasons left to go. Where are we? Season three? Yeah, one and a half seasons to go. I'm um, I'm looking forward to what's to come. Season five, the final season, is going to be absolute carnage. It, I mean, it's going to be horrible <laughs> playing it. It's going to be even worse for me trying to score it.
2: Well, that makes it all the more fun. <laughs> I say mean, like. It's, you kind of do get yourself in a bit of dilemma because when things are going really well, then you uh, think, oh, you know, I don't. I think one of the challenges had to get goalkeeper scoring goals. So I had my. I signed George Campos because he's a striker slash goalkeeper. Uh, yeah. I think he's probably the only one on the game. I thought, well, this will work out. And he scored a header on, this, on his first game. i thought, like, well, this is going to be great. He hasn't scored since. Um, <laughs> and now he's, of course, over 31. and <laughs> No, what no one <laughs> wants a 37 year old goalkeeper slash striker so he's uh he's gonna end up costing me some points i think but uh it's, it's that kind of thing which I, i've really enjoyed and as well I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast but the champ man community is so uh respectful i think is where i'm going to go for in that yeah. you know you've set a challenge you said yourself you message other people say are oh, you doing the next one i'll do the next one someone does it everyone follows this follows suit and that's great um the football manager community will be fighting over each yeah. other with by now. What, three weeks or something into the challenge, people will be going out with each other, complaining about this, that, and starting their own challenges and oh, yeah, it
1: would be incredibly toxic. And
2: <laughs> So I'm enjoying that element as well. And, and Ross, I think we should absolutely 100% rip this off at some point. Definitely. For, uh, <laughs> 97, 98. Um, purely because, again, during lockdown, there's like about 20 different uh, Champman 97 accounts popped up and I think yeah, it was there wasn't. <laughs> to try and group them all together and do something. Um, so maybe we'll look at doing that when they inevitably end up back in lockdown before
0: Christmas. Well, that, that would be interesting particularly if you copied the same game because there was, I can't remember if it was, no it, it wasn't you but there was, there was one, one or two Celtic managers signed Paul Gascoigne and <laughs> There was a few Twitter accounts that weren't happy about it at
2: all. They took it far too seriously. Yeah. I signed him. I signed him, <laughs> I signed 90
0: 90 him and
2: got a Yeah, well, I mean obviously I wasn't thinking about it politically when I signed him. I was it, the challenge was to get players in with lots of caps. Yeah. Uh, and Gas was available of nothing. not has yeah, so like sixty England caps. It wasn't uh, it wasn't um, particularly difficult. Um and he, he's, exactly, he's exactly as you'd expect. He turns up, um, he doesn't try and train, he gets fined, he doesn't turn up for training, he gets fined, he t- turns up on a match day and gets gets out of the match, uh, and then doesn't turn up for training. And it just goes on to this terrible loop for uh, for an entire season, and then he, he retired. So it kind of saved me the hassle of trying to sell him. That's why the
1: game's saying, right, that's the realism.
2: Well, the fact that he signed for selling in the okay. process, was a concern, but yeah. I mean, I've noticed, well, it doesn't take much people to unfollow me recently. I've, I've lost a few... Um. This probably this probably didn't help. I'll be honest, but uh, yeah, you know, people can do what they want. It's it's fine.
0: I, I'm looking forward to seeing I don't know a Newcastle Sunderland version coming out next or something.
2: Oh, oh God!
1: Bagsy <laughs> <laughs> not the Sunderland side.
2: Well... <laughs> The thing is, Sunderland are very strong on those early champs because they've got a big stadium, and uh, certainly in a one or two, they finished seventh the previous Premier League season. So they're they're, ah, yeah. they're relatively strong. They've got Julio Arga, they they've got Phillips. Um, I think Medina, the midfield is pretty good. Sorensen and goal, so they've actually got a, a decent squad. And uh, you know, I yeah. wouldn't be keen to take them on. Like they're they're a bit unpredictable. Um, I mean, fortunately, Newcastle are also. Pretty strong, so it's it's not a huge disaster. But uh, now I'll be addressing. Um, maybe some, some we're going to look at. Um, you mentioned the Super League, uh, Steve. How, um, how many seasons have you done in there now? Uh, so we're in our second
0: version of it. Um, CMO One Hundred Two Legends. Alan, he started it up. I think he did one season of it after a couple of failed attempts. Um, I was one of the first ones to to join in with it. Then um, Boise took over and took us through to I want to say season five, but it may have been season four. Then he handed over the reins to Martin, who's who's done the new version we're on now, and we're in season two. So all in all, I think I've been there for about seven seasons now.
2: Oh, good. yeah, Martin was on a few uh, a few episodes ago, and yeah. he was uh, he was running us through the history of it, but. Uh... How how have you found it then? I know you said you'd lost a lot, but generally, you know, you're enjoying it. I know you do a lot of the sort uh, the, the social media side of it with videos and previews and things, which I think again is another great feature. We quite often see these managers popping up in their cars doing pre-match interviews, <laughs> which I think, which I think is you know, it's fantastic. It's the type of thing you love, we love in the in the community.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I love it. Uh, there's two reasons I mean the amount I've lost I don't think anyone would blame me if I just walked away with my tail between my legs (laughs) (laughs) it's one of them things where I I think I've just become immune to losing now it's almost a a shock if I get a draw Uh, but it's it's not so much the playing because you know you do get fed up of losing every week but it's the whole what the Super League has become from where it started um and then I added in a weekly blog, um, sort of a match-of-the-day style blog review. Nice. Um, we're now doing a midweek sort of Zoom chat call where various managers will, will come on and talk to me. And, and again, it will be sort of match-of-the-day style, either preview or, re- or review of what's happened or what's to come. Um, as you said, we I've taken on more than one occasion... Um, full responsibility for this sort of social media hero that Russell Boyce became, because I said it was my stupid videos that made him start doing really good ones by <laughs> 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 getting all his, uh, all his followers, so I always claim to be the key to his success. But yeah, <laughs> there, there's been various ones I've done. Um, I've done ones where I've used my, the, the apps on my phone and stuff to put like a devil's face over mine when I'm talking. I've done ones where I've been singing silly songs to like made up chants and stuff to intimidate the other teams. There was, there was one where I, I was told that I, w- I wasn't strong enough to be a manager. So I did one sort of pre-match where I was just doing press-ups while I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> and a driver cam, as you've said, where I just set the phone up in, in my car and while I'm driving, I'm talking away for three or four minutes. And, and when you consider that we're talking about a game, but we, we're all sort of making it real life, you know, with the official team Twitter accounts and the breaking news and transfer gossip and all that. We, it's, we've kind of made it as close to the real thing as we can. And I think that's why it it gets the respect, again, that that word that you say from the CM community. We're, we are building up again where more and more people are watching the live YouTube streams and, and more people are interacting with us uh, on a day-to-day basis. So... Hopefully it will continue to go from strength to strength. I think Martin's done a really good job. I think Boise catapulted it into popularity. And I think Martin's done a really good job taking it on and, and making it what it
2: is. Yeah, it's, it's been going as you say, for quite a while now, which is fairly unusual in uh, in the the, the the world of Twitter and things. Things kind of come and go, as you know, not just mm. in, in, in champ, but generally, you know. Things uh, seem to have a fairly short lifespan these days, but no, it's it's been there for a while. I think it's kind of like the cornerstone of, of the champ community. It's 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 there. It's, as you said, well respected. It's got lots of lots of interaction with it, and it's kind of a good pill for anyone to aim for. Um, if you can get anywhere near the, the popularity of that, then you're doing something something right. Um, while you're on, it'll be remiss of us not to talk about. Uh, assuming you're are you a Swindon fan,
0: I am. For my sins, yeah, I'm a Swindon fan.
2: Well, you've, you've you've been promoted, haven't you? You're League One now.
0: Yes, and we won the points per game championship by beating Coventry in a friendly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there you go. That...
0: champions. I think it was Free Sports or Premier Sports, one of them novelty sports channels. They put it on. They actually put it on telly. The friendly right. between Swindon and Coventry, and called it the points per game champions <laughs> match.
2: Well, the sky's the limit. Um, what do you? Uh, what are you expecting for the season ahead?
0: Uh, do you know what? I don't know why, because there's nothing to suggest that it's going to be the case. But I've got a really good feeling as long as Richie Wellens is there in charge. The last time I had this feeling was when DeCanio Canio was there. You just feel like we can get success after success. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not saying it too loudly, but I'm just in the back of my head, I'm kind of thinking... If he gets one or two players that he wants, we could do this again and go back to back.
1: You play really nice football, and League One is—it's just a mess, really. There's the, any of about twenty teams can get promoted from that division, so you've got a massive chance.
0: The, the main thing—the main thing—and and as football fans you will know, it, we, we've got Bristol Rovers in the league again, which is obviously going to be important for us to win because they're down the road. But, but we're back in the same league as Oxford again. Mm. And for a long time, they were non-league and, and we were football league. Yeah. The last couple of years, they, they've been league one while we've been league two and that's hurt. So the fact that we're, we're back in the same league. If you were to yeah. offer me now that we finished 23rd and they finished 24th, <laughs> I'd probably take it. <laughs> My aspirations are higher, but one... I want to beat Oxford. Two, I want to finish higher than Oxford. Three, then we'll go for promotion.
1: I absolutely love the pettiness of football fans. <laughs> it's what makes, what makes football so great. I, I
2: remember we uh, went to Oxford away a few years ago and uh, Matt Ritchie was getting booed. And I assumed he'd like you know being Matt Ritchie to one of their fans or something. But no, no. Yeah. It turns out he used, used to play for Swindon. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's the level of pettiness we're dealing with here. Never forget. <laughs>
0: It, if you ever get the chance, just have a look at some of the, the highlight reels of Matt Ritchie's time at Swindon. I mean, he scored some goals for Newcastle, but my God, did he score some goals for Swindon. It, his left peg is is as good as anyone's that I've ever seen play, I think, for, for hitting particularly distant shots. I mean, we're talking like you see some of the goals, the famous one like Matty Taylor scored in that. And you think Matt Ritchie could do that. Easy.
2: Oh, he's, yeah, a, he's, he's a local
1: he's, lad to where I live. He's a Gosport boy. He's yes. one of the biggest prospect.
2: Yeah, 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 he plays for Scotland. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Could be any, couldn't be any further away
0: from there. Uh, I've actually spoke to to quite a few people. Obviously, I've I've got roots up in Scotland, and a couple of the Super League boys are, are from Scotland. And when Matt Ritchie comes up, they're like, "He's the least Scottish, Scottish international you'd ever wish to yeah, meet." He? he
1: sounds like me, basically. <laughs>
0: It's like when another old Swindon player, Simon Cox, started playing for the Republic of Ireland. You think he was born and bred ready? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, something not quite right about the uh the old um grandparents rule, is there? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Right, Stephen, um where can people find you and your team and your blogging and everything everything you do that's great about about you, where where can they find you?
0: For all the cm stuff um have a look at the swindon devils twitter account that's at s d c m f c simply swindon devils championship manager football club um for any other of my musings uh i'm i'm on at five o seven but but all your listeners will be interested in in what goes on, on the swindon devils page it's got all the old firm challenge updates it's got all my super league stuff going on and and a few other and generally uh mass loving for Ronaldinho um and generally that's the three things you'll find on my Twitter account well,
2: there's nothing wrong with that um thank you uh so much for joining us really enjoyed our chat um and from, from everyone in the community keep doing what you're doing you know we really appreciate it and uh you're doing, you're doing a lot for us at the minute so so keep up with the good work mate
0: no thank you very much for having me on it, it, it's an absolute pleasure to be invited on to to do such a thing and uh and thank you for everything you do for the community. You're, you're a lot bigger th- than I am in it. I'm just a small part in what is a, a fast-growing and uh, and much-loved, very niche community.
2: It's a great community, though. I think uh, it's nice to be able to bring the different versions together across uh, across what's about a 10-year span. But <laughs> yeah. uh, what we're doing is yeah. then, it's great. So that's more of the same as we... Uh, continue through ridiculous times
0: yeah, The only thing I w- I would say and, and this is the reason the community is so good is, I can't say in what, 18, 19, 20 years there'll be a, a football manager version of this going on and that's the dis-
2: <laughs> nope No, I, I don't think so that, uh, it's true actually there's not really many people go back to old football managers is they, uh, mm-hmm. they tend to stick with the most recent one um, I, I, God only knows why but <laughs> because they've got a lot of time <laughs> you've <nothing> to do <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that could be our, our next one Ross will start all the we'll management managers from scratch <laughs> I <like
0: it>. mm. <laughs> thank you very much for having me on guys it a pleasure
2: thank you thanks right, David take care mate <clears throat> see ya
1: Well, that was good. I love all the uh, the stuff they're doing, and we are definitely going to steal some of their ideas for one of our challenges in the future. I quite like the sound of that Sunderland Newcastle one. It could be quite fun.
2: Yeah, it's. Um, I say I like it because it's it's kind of playing the the game through different eyes, and I like someone I think of the ideas for you. I think that's part of my problem is that I've kind of the wells run dry a bit after uh, so many years of, of coming up with stuff. Yeah. Um, so someone to tell me what to do, you know, I'm all for that. <laughs> So maybe we can we can try and steal that idea at some point down the line um, with all the different ninety seven ninety eight players we've got. I think that'll be good fun.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you've also given us the, the perfect transition there. If someone that's not out of ideas of what to
2: do with the game, are they? That's exactly right. <laughs> so we're joined now by my uh, friend Nick. You may know him as ninety seven ninety eight Nikolai on Twitter, but uh, he is the tactics man. Nick, how are you, sir?
3: I'm <laughs> all right, mate. Good to good to be on board for this one. It's yeah, we're, mastermind.
2: We're, we're glad to have you on because uh, we've just been talking to uh, to Stephen there about kind of different ways to keep the game going, and you've certainly done that with, <laughs> the, with ah. the the tactics discussion. So um, before we get
3: into all that, though, let's talk just about your,
2: your history with the game. When did when did you first get involved with Champ? When did it all start for you?
3: Well, it's it was Italian ninety five actually. That was the one that got me in I'd never seen anything like it before like up to that I'd just been playing sensible soccer with my mate and then he was like oh have you seen this and I'd never seen like the sort of non playing side of the game before just blew my mind being able to put arrows on Thomas Brolin or something <laughs> just, blew, just, blew, just blew my mind I've done a lot of things to Thomas
1: Brolin over the years
3: <laughs> I didn't even back then I didn't even discover like knee tea, and I still loved it <laughs> Um, yeah and then obviously you know things moved on I actually weirdly missed CM2 and then just got catapulted straight into 9798 and I guess it's kind of like your first love isn't it You never never really leave you and actually uh, I got so entrenched into that I think you know we, me and my mate we, I always co-managed back then it was always me and one of my mates we got a game together you know doing all nighters mum you know the mum would come in in the morning and say what the hell are you still doing there <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean so it was um the obsession set in quite early on I've got to say um yeah uh and then I went back I went I, I ascended through the titles and like uh, you know I, I did every single one obviously we all know zero one zero two. or I thought CM3 was revolutionary actually when it came out but um, went all the way through up to about FM 17. And at that time I'd restarted 9798 and then 9798 just took me back in and I can't get out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I mean, you've made, made a few points there. Firstly, I think a lot of people found with, with Champman 2, there were so many similar games released. If you yeah. had one, it was quite, mm-hmm. especially especially if you weren't buying for yourself, if you were kind of with uh, your parents, or whatever at the time, it's quite a hard sell to say, you know, I want Champman. And 96, 97. When I've got 95, 96, it's pretty much exactly the same game. Right. Uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of that. I think a lot of that went on where it was kind of like a very hard, hard sell to try and get every version. Um, but 97, 98 was, as we all know, the boy. Uh, yeah. It had so many more things to do, more so many leagues, and I think that's kind of part of it. Part of its appeal now is that, of course, it has the editor as well, which makes it uh, quite easy to, to continue to change that. Um, and yeah, CM3 was was revolutionary, but uh, do you ever find you, do you ever go back to CM
3: three? No, I I don't actually. Uh, it, it, that whole uh, that whole period of games, I just sort of, I kind of had to make a decision of which one to go back to, and I know most of us have pulled in either zero one sort of area or CM nine seven nine eight, and I just yeah. went for that added like nostalgia twenty. Let's say that, <laughs> um, so I went for that.
2: Well, that's exactly it. That's certainly what we found as a pattern. Um, those are the two that uh, seem to draw people back in. Um, someone will write a paper about this one day about why it's those two. Um, yeah, well, it's got to be someone's thesis, isn't it? Surely it's
3: done. <laughs> well, well it I mean, would have. I think it's a mixture of, um, well, playability, but also brutality. It's kind of like, if like it really gives you a kicking if you get stuff wrong, and yeah. it's kind of like like eating like hot chilies or whatever. You just keep going back for more.
2: Yeah, it could be that. I, I mean, we've, we've talked about this multiple times really over the over the course of the series, but whether it's the the amount of cult players on those two games is fairly high. Yeah. Um, that's obviously a feature. They're the most polished versions of, the, of their genre. So CM2 mm-hmm. and CM3, I guess. These two, these two, were the last ones in those in those versions. Um, who knows? Hopefully, someone will write it one day. We can we can get them on, total. and yeah, The 20000 20, word thesis on uh, <laughs> on why those two are the best. Yeah. Um, but as as we alluded to in the intro, uh, Nick, you um you're doing a lot of tinkering at the minute, um, <laughs> and have been for some time. I mean, we ha- we were lucky to have you in the uh, the Anglo-Italian Cup. Way back in, possibly March kind of time.
1: Yeah,
2: we thought this pandemic wouldn't last very long. Um, yeah, So the Anglo-Italian Cup was the was the the qualifying tournament for yeah. the the uh, the actual CM Cup this year. Um, Nick won it. Um, he absolutely brutalised everybody. <laughs> I think from memory. Um, can you talk us through kind of how you approached that getting a team you probably didn't know that much about and then.
3: Well, certainly tactically, I, I kind of see it as a little bit of like a, I'm chasing like a holy grail. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like it's like me versus the, the, the match engine. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, against yourself in many ways. But I, all it is, is I don't feel... Like let's talk like two, three, one, two, two. I know it's the most successful. It's possibly the best thing we've got, but I don't think it's the best. I think there is something else out there. Um and I've made it kind of my quest. So I thought I'd put that into practice in the Anglo Italian Cup by I don't think I've ever I may have switched to it in the latter stages of the in the, of the cm cup itself but i always try to refrain from using it to show that there is another way uh, and the reason why is just because i think it's quite nice when people start experimenting and t- trying new things because it's really what what keeps the game alive um and you know having that little innovation or that little tweak that little arrow that you do is way more satisfying than kind of being spoon-fed something i think anyway yeah so, that's why the Anglo-Italian Cup came about. And in that tournament, I had found one of my favourite little innovations, which is the right-sided MC pushing up to striker. And it worked fantastically well uh, against everybody. And I sort of kept that going because I just think it really works. And I like to build a formation around that now. Um, but, yeah, I just don't know what happened in the in the Anglo-Italian Cup. It was a bit of a weird one because I was just pestering Dave over messages <laughs> about tiny little tweaks or tiny little changes all the way throughout. So I think he's sort of got an understanding of the obsessive nature that I have about it. <laughs> oh God, I
1: can imagine because I'll give Dave 11 players and a tactic and just say, keep it like that for the entire tournament, and that's how I play it again. Yeah.
2: But it, 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 I do find it interesting, obviously, as a, as a as a connoisseur, if you like, of, of the game. Um, I was, as you say, I was I was handed two, three, one, two, two. A guy called Antonio dropped it on the comments on the site. Yeah. We test the hell out of it. it. It works. It's worked pretty much every save I've done ever since. A lot of people yeah, use true. it now. Uh, Antonio was pretty bitter about it, to be honest. He um, <laughs> he it, it's, it's really? uh, yeah. So he, when you, I don't know if you remember when the game turned 20, we we did a uh, a vote on the best team. Um and it was mostly cult cool players. But he put a comment on it and he was uh, he said, um why don't you ask the person who created the formation who is who the best players are to go in? It? And I was like, Ooh, all right. Well wow. if you want. If you want, he was like, Well <laughs> and he came out and he had like Ronaldo and and I was like, You have missed the point of this entirely my friend. <laughs> So yeah. Who were yeah. the best um,
1: players in 97-98?
2: Yeah. So he unfolded on Twitter, um and then uh wow. disappeared dis- disappeared for months. And then last week he came on he came on the comments again and said I've found a new tactic, uh, which i which I use long ball for. If you want to know what it is, messages. Hmm. But like he didn't leave any contact details, and I don't have any will to message him. So like, <laughs> if, if he wants to 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 share that, he can do. But uh, yeah. uh, you know, I mean. Oh yeah. Well, this is what I like, (laughs) you Nick,
1: because you're not you're not touchy about your tactics. You'll happily talk to people about them all the time on Twitter, and if they're not working, you'll suggest ways to make them work and how to just help people get them going again.
3: Absolutely, like it's um, I try to lay it all out there. Um, One of the things is it always looks like I well have reasonably successful tactics, but the ones I post are. Like one in ten, one in twenty. Mm. Like the amount of <laughs> the amount of ones that I'm trying that you don't see about is uh, <laughs> probably quite scary, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a different way to do it, isn't it? I just uh, I don't think you should get too precious about it. I just uh, the two three one two two is obviously a classic. Actually, funnily enough, uh, I really wanted that my first game actually the first one and the one that I remember is a Watford game and the magic of it back then in 97, 98 was that you had no one else to refer to no internet, Mm. no magazines or anything or, or no one, even any of your friends knew about it. So when you find someone like Tom Young's, you think that you are like (laughs) cheap out, like you think you've like, you've, you've gone right through the game and found one of these gems and it makes it extra special. Um, but actually, we we uh, we found this, uh, a version of two three one two two that propelled us all the way to the top. But actually, instead of the DM, we had a sweeper pushing up two, and that just worked tremendously well. Weirdly, it's never worked as well again. And this is one of the anomalies about the game: is that even from save to save, you can have a tactic that just doesn't work. I actually remember Dave. You may have mentioned something about a diamond shape with Aston Villa that worked brilliantly ah, and never
2: honestly, did it again. It was incredible. Like, um, <laughs> so when I was testing these formations, probably a couple of years ago now, I used the same. I'd always played 19 league games, um, and we'd just see how it went with a uh, not Man United basically. You see, and the, the acid test was: could you challenge Man United in season one? Because that's yeah, yeah. that's kind of you know, if if you can do that, it's probably a good tactic. And uh, the the two three one two two with Chelsea did all oh, right. I think we were second or third by the time we got to nineteen games. But with uh, we played this this diamond with Villa with with Chef up front with Dwight York and Collymore, and it was just incredible. It just battered everybody. But <laughs> yeah. it it's there was something like seventeen points clear when I when I gave up. Um, Crazy. And it was I've, as you're quite right. Like I've tried it a, a few times since and got nowhere near that kind of success. <laughs>
3: it's- um, Yeah, those diamond shapes, whether you've got like the MR, the ML, the AMC, and the DMC, just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I've never ever got that to work ever. No, it's a total anomaly, and you're quite right. Like
2: even the formation you try now, we think the three six one. You're definitely onto something with that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But me and Ross were just saying um, before, with Blackburn, which we'll come on to in a minute. I was finding I could win away at you know, Liverpool and Arsenal. I lost the home to one at Barnsley. With it, it's just inexplicable. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't like in those games where I won, I was dominating, having you know 20 shots there, 10, that kind of thing. Um, I couldn't lay a glove on Barnsley. It was bizarre. Like, it just, I, I just don't get it sometimes. But uh, that's the game in a nutshell, isn't it? it well, that, uh,
3: I think that's what I, that's what I like when, when you know that you're. You've got a tactic that's kind of pushing the match engine into those really anomalous situations, like where where you can have so much possession and lose to Barnsley, even though it's not ideal. I like it because it shows that you're you're stretching its like fabric of its being a little bit. Mm. You know what I mean? You're pushing it to a place that it feels uncomfortable with, and then it's like not necessarily that I want to like try and break the game because I think it's impossible, and I think it would really ruin it if that happened but it's nice to know that you're messing with it a little bit you know
2: yeah what, what would what would you class as a success and i know i've mentioned the uh, you know many, uh, trying to rival my night over 19 games what, what what's the barometer for you if you're making a tactic when do you think you know what this one's got some legs
3: well first of all i do about six or seven games uh with whatever team it is because like Uh, whoever I'm using I'll just have an idea and then do it and then I'll go to another type of team so go to a lower premiership team or you know just and then I'll try to do short with like a bigger medium and I'll just go in for an 18 uh, you know like the half season thing which is actually something I've got off you uh, or, or the community uh, and then, of course, you know, if you've got Southampton and you're like sixth and fifth, and you know, it's good. And, of course, if you're any other team other than Man U, then second is obviously success.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's, yeah,
1: that is, that's, that's true, isn't it? Some, it's not fair, but it's true.
2: <laughs> so we loosely based, built a challenge around your tactics. Um, and yep. due, again, kind of by accident, we discovered during this technic test and the Blackburn have got a war chest of twenty million to spend. Yeah. Um they are a hideously dislikable club on the game by other players. Like for some reason yeah. they if you bid with someone like Norwich, the player will go to Norwich instead and it makes no sense. Like Blackburn won the league maybe two seasons before ninety seven yeah. ninety eight. Yeah. Um yet for some reason their reputation must be in the like the doldrums I, I just don't understand it. But anyway. So getting hold of players is not always that easy but um there's two results I really I wanna I wanna highlight from those who sent them in. Um Steve um two underscores eighteen ninety five um racked up eighty nine points for Blackburn in the first season. Yeah but fin but finished second. Of course. Yeah. Uh, um to, to Man United who got something like ninety two. I didn't write down that total, but it was hefty. Um yeah. and then and then we've got um Maud UK owns CM who oh, yeah. Again, he's been a bit of a lockdown hero. He did a, he did the Ipswich Challenge and won yeah. everything. Um,
3: really. Ah, I'm going to get back to work.
2: Uh, he rocked up 82 points and came first uh, with Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it just, again, shows the kind of big swing you can get in the game. Um, what were you going to say about this one, Nick?
3: Well, I was going to say, actually, um, I uh, um, forget, forget the rest of his name. I've like, talked to him quite a lot, actually. He... um he's been a big uh, tester of my tactics for me i really love that it gives me honest feedback but the uh he did the that it switch thing with the with a tactic called the mw oh, yeah. which is the one which was the first time that i thought i'd really like made something that was different and was useful and uh was bringing people success and he uh he uh tweaked it very slightly i think he had like uh, the the both wing backs and the DMC coming back to uh, the centre backs, but for him, he smashed everyone with that uh, MW, and that was lovely to see. I just like to see a bit of variation, and uh, you know, just it's nice to see different players surface because, of course, with an AML or an AMR in uh, it, as a tactic, then you open up a whole new set of players mm. uh, who are who are discounted in the in the. Uh, Two, three, one, two, two. So I, d- I just like the variation. I like to see it. But uh, he's good. He's he's done some good stuff. Like he did very well with the three six one as well, which is which is good to see.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned the different positions there as well. I've always ma- maintained this. Um, you have got like Overmars being a forward, right, left. Yeah. Um, if you look at Ajax's default formation, which is kind of like a it's three at the back, one one defensive mid, three centre mids, and then these yeah. two wide players and a forward. Um, I did an Ajax save and obviously kept that formation throughout and it was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and if you played, you know, like Henri as a forward left, he yeah. was actually, you know, really, really good. Um, got figures higher than I'd expect him to get as a striker, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how much it's down to just the players. Like, do you think this, if I took like the 11 best players on the game um, and put them in any old formation, do you think they would think it's still work or do you think... It, There's more to
3: it than that. Me, I mean, these are all these. There's so many million-dollar questions in there, isn't it? Like, what do the arrows actually do Um, (laughs) between passing and direct? What happens when you've got the DCs going back one instead of not? You know, there's all of these unanswered questions, and I think that element of mystery is actually really what what keeps it going and keeps it interesting because there isn't a textbook. I think there was somebody. Um, who tweeted a few weeks ago and said, hey, has anyone ever written anything up on player positions and what they mean and how it affects different attributes? And it's, you know, I think the simple answer is no. <laughs> like, we don't know. Um, but I think certainly you have to think, like I'll um, go back to Wales in the CM Cup. Uh, was it uh, Was King of the Rooks, was it? Yep, yeah, uh, it was him, yeah. Uh, he just said in the, in the match, uh, Commentary because obviously we're talking to each other during the game. He said, "Ah, oh, you know what? I've just picked all of the Welsh players with the highest ability." Uh, he can. If, that, if that's incorrect, then uh, I apologise. But it was it was in that ilk, and that works for oh, that's, that's right. Right, yeah. Yeah, right. So um, maybe that's where the answer lies. Well, as you say, I
2: me mean, Andrew King of the books, if you like, is, is probably the closest we've got to is do someone who's done the the um, the writing up about it because he did the the test of yeah. stats stats versus ability. Right. Um, and found that ability would win. I think, um, which I guess bears out because you get we've seen a lot of people recently highlighting these players who um, have got like 20 or 19 for everything except technique, which is a one. Yeah. And I I actually looked these players up in the in, a, in an editor, and they've got an ability of one behind the scenes, <laughs> and obviously and obviously, they're, obviously yeah. they're not very good. Um, it's, I just don't understand why they're there because they're always from like some. Like Indonesia or where. yeah,
3: some really yeah. Random yeah. far off country. It's they're, like they're, they're they really... are the like ultimate honey traps when you first start yeah. playing the
2: game, oh, aren't 20s they? Twenties everywhere. <laughs> and when he, when you sort by average rate no goals, and it's like, oh, this guy's got forty-seven goals in twenty games, and he, but he's but he's a he's a forward right from Taiwan, and it's like, <laughs> is it going to work out? No, it's not going to work out. Uh, but you know. You, you, everyone gets burnt once you've got to try these things okay, um, again it's quite funny looking back but when when I started the blog I didn't know about any of these kind of game breaking tactics I was adamant the only way to win was, was 5-3-2 wing backs yeah. I think any formation that had wing backs was going to do quite well Yeah. and I look, and I look back at it now and so many of my games finished 1-0 <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> so,
2: it was a really different world to what it is now it's kind of uh <laughs> It's kind of strange looking back at, uh, you know, all those hours wasted playing regular formations.
3: Oh, yeah. I think it's, yeah. I mean, once you can start going a bit off-piste with it, then uh, it's where the fun and the misery really lies. Um, I was going to ask you guys, actually. Like, I've got tons of... Like theories, nothing more than that or it's certainly uh, guesses about what works what doesn't, like the MC pushing up one or pushing back one is one of my things, I think if you've got one MC in the middle he should be going up or down, I think the game likes that, I think when you've got two MCs next to each other it likes it when they've both got back arrows, that seems to do quite well uh, you just mentioned there Dave wing backs was one of your first sort of Beliefs that work. Have you have you got any that you that you uh, sort of that you would secretly think work?
2: Um, what I what I found and what a lot of people seem to find is that with your wing backs, um, they never ever get good ratings. Yeah. Um. So what I've what I started doing, and again it was the same back in the back in the old times. If you like, was I'd, I'd play attacking midfielders there because
4: yeah,
2: I didn't see the point in having fullbacks there doing nothing so I thought well maybe I'll have attacking players there and see what happens yeah, sure. um, and I think it was I used to have Darren Anderton there in the game and he did quite well and that kind of stuck it for us I had Anderton on one side and uh, Darren Eady on the other Darren Eady is obviously quite an easy pick up early on in the game yeah. um, and they did better than 7 as an average rating which kind of was unheard of for, for people in that position back then so That's that, that was something that I've kind of tried to stick with where possible yeah. um, I also found that, uh, again, in that in that same formation, was my middle centre mid. If he pushed up just one little space, um, if he had good heading, he would he would get a lot of goals and assists. Oh, um, yes, yeah. Uh, Solbakken in the very first blog save when I was Wimbledon. Oh, yeah. Was average and well over seven point five, despite being fairly average. But he had twenty for heading, um, and I kind of backed that up. Uh, and ever since then, I always used to put a centre mid in there with, with twenty for heading.
3: I'd love that one. (laughs) Well, it doesn't
2: doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, this is, again, you've kind of got to suspend logic because one of the main things people discuss is what's the difference between direct and long ball. Yeah. And I think direct is, well, I think it's, it's like passes over the top to the likes of Ian Wright and Michael Owen, the type type of pass they would thrive on and run onto. uh, Whereas long ball is aiming for big dunk's head. Mm, And that's, that's kind of the difference. So it's like, yeah, without any sort of management game, if you're playing a direct or long ball game, you wouldn't want many in midfield because they're all being bypassed. Yeah, you got it. yeah. But if it's direct, do you want more midfielders in there who can play passes over the top? <laughs> like, like where where do the passes start? Like, that's the, this is the kind of this is the kind of rabbit hole you end up walking down. <laughs> um, so I think you can't. I think you can overthink it. Um,
3: Speaking of, like, um, long ball tactics. I'm fascinated to know what um, uh, is it. Antonio uh, sent. Well. You? Get, get, just,
2: just, just get, just get on to him. He's in the comments on
3: um, on, on, um, on his
2: tactic, I think. He's, he's a comment. Um, I mean, I'm too proud to ask him now. But <laughs> if you want to
3: ask him, i not. Mean... <laughs> I, I don't want to ask him. I want to find it like, myself, maybe. <laughs> the thing I found that you've
1: done is the most helpful recently. You, I was reading one of your threads. You were chatting with someone back and forth about the the 361 tactic and you said play the players in their right positions and I'm doing this uh, like the, redoing my lead save after the failure it was last time and it's going incredibly well this time because I'm playing players where they should be playing not where I think they should be playing right. so the first time round, I used Rod Wallace more of an attacking midfielder role he's terrible at that but I'm playing mm-hmm. him up front this time as a kind of right sided of two he's got 13 and 14 Like that it, it just put the players where they're supposed to be like I yeah. comment about Emma's cannot play defensive midfield or attacking midfield, just stick yeah. him in the middle and let him do his right. thing.
3: Yeah. I, I think with, uh, again, with there's a, uh, it's just one of those things, but certain tactics absolutely require you to put an AMC in AMC. Yeah. I think we've all fallen foul of like playing an FLC in AMC. Yeah. And actually when you look at them, they've got zero for support. Um <laughs> And it makes a huge difference. Mm. Um Some formations need it more than others. Um, but I think that can be a big reason why, like you playing a centre back at right back, you can the game can decide to punish you quite quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but it sounds so simple, and there's no place like it more than if you are playing an AMR and an AML. Um, for me, uh, the FLs or the FRs don't even work there that well. Like you, really, I think they re- you really got to have the AM or the mm-hmm. support. That. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, we both found when we we did the Blackburn attempts, um, Kevin Gallagher was unreal in, oh. in, in, in the centre forward in the centre forward role.
3: Absolutely outstanding, yeah.
2: It makes it made so little sense. Like on on my he wanted to move to a bigger club by November because he was he was on some like twenty five league goals, <laughs> um, and, and last year looking at him, I was like. <laughs>
1: Whereas right. if you just look at his stats, he's he's behind what well, probably Sutton, Darlin, and maybe one other guy is their well, best striker.
2: I, see, I decided quite early on that Sutton wasn't going to work because he has nothing, nothing pace-wise. Yeah. Again, I think yeah. kills you off the ball and pace weren't great for him. So um, uh, Gallagher's is only 14 and 13, I think, off the ball and pace, but it's the best they had. Yeah. Um, but he was he was un, he was unplayable. It was bizarre. <laughs> But, again, you could probably play another save and you would be terrible. It just yeah. kind of look, look at the draw a lot of the time. But, um, you mentioned the AMs and the AMRs the and the FRs and all this kind of stuff. But if you look at someone like Ryan Giggs, um, it annoys me when the computer play him in centre midfield because he obviously doesn't look like he can play that. I'm guessing he's got a 1 for central on the editor. I've never really looked it up, but I'm guessing he does. Um how do you feel that affects things if they've got a one rather than a two? Do you think it's a, it makes a big difference? Or what? I think it,
3: I mean, again, it, it really depends on the tactic itself. Like in this new one uh, that I've been trialing, I've had a, I've, it's, it's cheating a little bit, but I know that Burkamp has got one for midfield. So I've been playing him in that, in the, the, the right MC pushing up to right striker role. Mm-hmm. He's got like 12 and 17. Um, and I normally can't get him to score, you know, at all. So I guess that's really working there. Um, whereas when we talk about in the three six one, when you play Emma's there, I, it, it looks like it just doesn't work. And he's got a one for DM. So I think try it. If it's not done the way that you want to, then quickly make that the first remedy.
2: Yeah, I mean, you raise a good point there about Emmers because uh, Ross found a great deal of success with Emmers in that role in the leads here, Ross, is that right? Um, where he was run right, right Liverpool sorry, it, just Sorry, yes, Liverpool one way. He was running right up from centre mid yeah, to, yeah. Uh, to um, the striker. Stryker, yeah. Um and is it Harry or H Hope or whatever he's called on uh, on Twitter? Sorry, uh, Harry yeah. should know your name. But um, yeah. he was trialing this with with two centre mids, yeah. um, both rushing up. And I tried this with Middlesbrough in the championship. I'm just trying to load the save up here. I've got so many different saves called <laughs> tactics now. Um, and it, it does make a difference on the ta- on the um, the match engine because both centre mids were getting a lot of chances. Um, mm. I found even with with Arsenal, which we were trying last week, David Platt in that role. Obviously, getting on a bit, but yeah, he's, it's basically the role he played actually in his career, <laughs> breaking in the box from centre mid. Yeah. Um, he uh, he gets a lot of chances in that position. So there's obviously a lot to it.
3: Um, yeah, I, I so. wonder as well if um, how much off the ball needs to come into it when you've got uh, an MC going right into the box as well. Like I think even shooting doesn't even need to be that high because like, my favourite um, player there is pretty much Benito Carboni. He's got shooting eight, but he's uh, pretty lethal. I always tried to sign him, and obviously I used him for Italy in the CM Cup. So, again, it's this question of how much do the stats come into play uh, in regards to the arrows? I mean, I I just don't know that one.
2: No, I mean, to give you an example, I played Gustavo Neffa as yeah. one of the rushing in the box admittedly Division 1 level Borough yeah. um, off the ball 11 pace 12 shooting 16 but he's got 9 goals in 11 games um, <laughs> Amazing. so so, and that's an average of 8.09 uh, Emma's in the same role they're doing it at the same time 6 and 13 7.53 average um, but... so you know and Freddie, Freddie Leon was the striker he's got 17 and 13 8.15 yeah but again it's division one so i'm I'm not you know bowled over by it it's, it does work it certainly mm-hmm. works uh, there's there's a lot to a lot of tweaking to do with it um which again I like um there's certainly different ways of doing it different things work different things don't work but it's uh it's it's a totally new element of the game which uh I can't imagine we thought we'd still be looking at twenty three years after <laughs> release <laughs> Absolutely.
3: Um,
2: what uh, What are you settled on at the moment? What's What's your current
3: baby? <laughs> I mean, I do sometimes worry that I'm over posting. You know, like with dizzying numbers of different variations of things, and it's like a stream of consciousness for everyone on Twitter. So, you know, I do um, wary of that. But I've got one game. I've just tweeted about it this evening. Actually, just started with Derby. I've got this sort of slightly, I'll just call it a left-hand press. I was just inspired by, like, a hockey tactic that I remembered. Um, and it's working tremendously well, like, unbelievably well. Admittedly, I've got Freddy Leon. Uh, I've got, that Gerez Metz. And I signed uh, Christophe Robert, who, who's amazing. But other than that, I haven't signed anyone else. And I always think that the next one that I've got is the, the, the big one, the one, until... Uh, People prove me otherwise, or <laughs> move to another team. Says to me, "Hey, I tried this with uh, Sevilla and got relegated." And you just go, "Oh, sh- bloody hell!" Um, so yeah, the, the one on the one on Twitter that I've just posted of, and it's essentially going back to wing backs, two D two DCs coming back, one one DMC, which I really think the game likes a DMC. That's another one of my things i think two center mids with one of them pushing up like the three six one and then just a, just an fl on his own out there pinging in crosses for one striker hmm. so yeah uh, again I, I urge anyone that's looking for a new tactic to uh to you know to, to give it a whirl and let me know tell me your learnings or all your yeah.
2: i'll tell you um another hockey tactic you can try yeah, is the uh, the mighty ducks flying V? <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me. I you'd, you'd absolutely love to see that happen.
1: <laughs> That's coming kind of now, isn't it?
2: I think I tried on for once, possibly as a joke, but uh, who knows? With 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 the proper coaching, yeah. Who who knows? <laughs> uh, Nick, we could we could talk to you all night about tactics. To be quite honest yeah. with you, um, yeah. where can people find you on Twitter if they want to have a look at some of your work? Uh,
3: it's at uh, is it nine seven nine eight Nikolai, uh, which isn't that easy, but N I K O L A I. And uh, believe me, there's a uh, all sorts in there. Um, just pick a day, any day, and there'll be <laughs> there'll be something hopefully to. Uh, to tickle the uh,
2: to tickle the imagination, it it is. I wouldn't say nonstop, but every time I look at your account, you've got a new one on, um, which is you know it's good fun because it's it's nice to see. Uh, it's a, it's a work in progress, so yeah. fingers fingers crossed. There's more to come. Um, I enjoy testing them when I get round to it. Um, yeah. So it's as if if you're bored and you haven't got a save on the go at the minute, pick one of Nick's tactics, have a run through with it, try and play nineteen games and see where you are in the league. And if it's good, keep going. And if yeah. it's not, start again. I've got I've got I've got a lot of respect for that guy who said who tried to sphere and got relegated. Like to see it to, to see it right through to the end. <laughs> <laughs>
3: He's got more determination than I have in that
2: <laughs> yeah. Ah, very good. Well Nick, thanks uh, thanks very much for uh, your time and uh, we'll see you soon.
3: Thanks. Nice Cheers, lads.
2: So I'm joined now by broadcaster Daniel Garb. Daniel, how are you, sir?
5: I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Thanks for giving me the chance to, you know, rekindle some of my youth and some of my adult life as well through my championship manager major addiction, which uh, was a blessing and sometimes a bit of a hindrance during my life.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to digging right into that. But uh, before we start, I should point out that... uh, a special thanks to Daniel for coming on. It's currently what time is it there, Dan?
5: Uh, it's about uh, eight thirty in the morning over here, so it's, it's early. But um, you know, I spent a lot of time waking up <laughs> in the middle of the night and staying yeah. up late playing Championship Manager and waking up early to play it as well. So I'm going to be talking about it. I might as well wake up early too.
2: <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great commitment to the cause, and appreciate you taking the time out. Hopefully, it doesn't uh, put you in a chump manager days for the rest of your uh, your day. <laughs> um, so, as you may guess, Daniel is in Australia. So uh, so it's going to be interesting to find out what the game was like on the other side of the world. Um, so Dan, the uh, first question we always ask is, uh, what's your history with Chapman? Where did it all start for you?
5: So the game that actually led me into Championship Manager was was Sensible World of Soccer. I got into that before Championship Manager was a thing. So SWAS it used to be called. I remember a friend showing it to me at his house when I was young and just thinking, wow, this is for me. I mean, the ability to sign proper players for proper money and build your own team, this is awesome. Um, so I got into it through that. And then when Championship Manager came along, oh, I was already aware of the whole concept of the, the management game, and I was just into it big time, um, you know, 96, 97, 97, 98, just obsessed with those versions and, you know, I had a, a game, saved it. My mate's house that we always played had my own version at home I actually I remember I took it the, the cd and installed it on one of the computers at the school <laughs> library so I could play I could play during lunchtime and uh, and private study at school which uh was probably reflected in my my grades at the end of my, my school days but I was just into it. I was obsessed. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to work in the football media in Australia and spent five years covering the Premier League over in the UK for Australian television as well for for Fox Sports. And I've been very lucky. And honestly, football manager, championship manager, had just a huge impact on my my football knowledge. I've no doubt about that. Growing up, learning about players around the world, learning about tactics, uh, setting your own team, building teams, because it's so realistic. Like, it just had a huge impact on my football knowledge so yeah I've got a, a strong love affair with the game
2: yeah, we actually joked a while ago that uh, you know my geography is only good in terms of like I know where cities are because I played them mm-hmm. in like, the a Cup qualifier yeah. in like, 2002 <laughs> it's, it's amazing what sticks with you in that regard but uh, what I was going to ask you about was uh, obviously on the other side of the world, uh, how how popular was the, the actual game over there? Because you never really hear about, you know, that Australians playing, yeah. certainly the old games, probably more so now, but certainly back in the 90s and things.
5: Yeah, I mean, I didn't really know growing up, because obviously we didn't live in the, the social media age, so it was hard to know, and the internet wasn't as developed then, hard to know if anyone else was playing it. I played it, and my mates did, and I remember thinking, you know, there wouldn't be too many others playing the game of this detail here. I mean, I'm sort of a real football-nuffy or football-obsessed here in Australia. Are there? Is anyone else playing this? I doubt it, or very few other people. But I had lots of mates who played it, and you know, subconsciously I must have thought, yeah, there's plenty others who do. But you know, as I've sort of delved into the media now, and I often reference Championship Manager on, on Twitter, and I get so much feedback from Australian football fans, like every time I make a reference, it's just enormous feedback. So, yeah, plenty. Plenty of people played it, just like I did, and uh, and loved it. And it was a massive game here, hugely popular amongst football fans. So uh, And a lot of them still do play the football manager version. So, now it's, it's as big here as it is, maybe not in the UK, but, you know, in other parts of the world, for sure.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to hear, at this point, I should really thank uh, Mark Nielsen for uh, for putting us onto each other because it's, it's a kind of two football managers, top manager and manager nuts on the other sides of the world with each other but uh, through the power of Twitter we have we have crossed paths this week. Yep. Uh, and now we can obviously discuss our our joint addiction. But uh, no, it was just because obviously you know there's no Australian leagues on certainly uh, 97, 98. I think they're on a one or two from memory. Um yeah. But just interesting to say how the game was still uh, still popular despite, you know, like the the home league not being represented so to speak. I can't imagine if it had been either way around, would it have been the same over here? I mean, I guess we'll never know but um yeah. just just an interesting side point there. So, um what would you say was your uh, your favourite version of the of the series?
5: Yeah, ninety seven, ninety eight no, and 0-1-0-2 were the the two. They're the two games that stand out for me where I spent the most time playing and The interface and the gameplay and and the realism, I think, just really connected with me well. I mean, I've played football manager since, and I I do enjoy it, but I've found it to be, at times, just a little bit too detailed, um, and you just get bogged down in unnecessary stuff. Whereas in 97, 98, especially 0102, that's the number one. I just think there's – I mean, the realism's obviously top level, um, but there's enough detail, enough to manage without it being too annoying. It's just – you know, you're worried about transfers, setting your training, getting your backroom staff right, and then playing your games and making your your changes in the game, and, and that's just what I loved about it. Um, so yeah, I 102 and 9798, and I've uh, had a couple of interesting stories and moments in my life through uh, through both versions of the game. If you want me to go through them for you, yeah,
2: I'd love to hear them first. So fire <laughs> away.
5: All right, we'll start with 9798, and then we'll go into the O102 stories that have you know yeah. sort of in- impacted my life if you like the first story is I must admit and be upfront, it is a scary one and it's a slightly sad one if you like but <laughs> yeah 97 98 I-, I got really addicted to it like so many other people and I was playing a-, a version at my mate's house and one of my favorite saves was this Everton team that I started I'm a Liverpool fan but I you know, played with the Everton team and-, and had a lot of success with them and I mean yeah we were flying I was moving up the leagues and I remember I had signed David Beckham on a free transfer from United, he left them, came to me and he didn't drop off at all, he was still quality as a midfielder, right centre, scoring goals, crossing in and um, it was great having him in the team, I had Oliver Bierhoff up front, Beckham to Bierhoff was my move and uh, <laughs> he scored plenty of goals, a big German, I had a quality team and you know I think I won the league and I played one night to about 4am at a mate's house, sleeping over a couple of the mates there and They've all gone to sleep at, you know, 1am or whatever. And I'd up till 4. And I'd played basically the whole weekend. And <laughs> I remember I woke up on the Sunday morning after eventually going to sleep, having played with my Everton team all night. <laughs> and we actually, it was our school dance like a week or two later. And so we went with our mothers to go get our suits for our school dance, me and a few mates. And I remember being there, but mentally not being there, like just being in a daze. <laughs> and then we went back to a mate's house that <laughs> afternoon and – I actually collapsed. I fully collapsed, which is really scary. And I, I had an epileptic seizure. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And it was really intense. And like, it was a scary time of my life. I had to go for a lot of medical tests. I spent a night in hospital. I was on medication. Um, and eventually we just worked out, the doctors and I, that it was from playing the game all night. I mean, there is medical notes on the back of the game saying, you know, this can lead to epileptic seizures if you have susceptibility to this, you must be careful. And we worked it out that it's basically what it was from. Um, And I'm lucky now I'm not on medication. I'm not diagnosed as epileptic. I don't have any sort of issues with um, the problem at all, thankfully. Uh, And I stay clear of situations like that where there are flashing lights. But it was that, everyone, anyone who's played the game will know that stark, intense (laughs) flashing of the light every time you score a goal. And let me tell you my Everton team scored plenty. (laughs) That's... that just impacts impacts your brain. And I had a yeah seizure as a result. So, yeah, a, <laughs> I love the game dearly, but it did knock me around a little bit in uh, in that 97-98 version.
2: Yeah, so you very nearly uh, had a, a medical ailment named after you there, or certainly after Champ, after <laughs> champ Manager, you know, Champ Manager or something. It's, uh, it's the first I've heard of it, but as you say, it, it is written on the back of the box. No, no one ever thinks it's going to happen yeah. them, but there you go. It's, it's exactly.
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to be careful. I remember there's a guy who wrote a book about it championship manager recently as well and uh i told him the story when i was in the uk i met him in a press box at one of the games and uh he said wow if i'd known that i would have put it in the book so yeah it's a story that a lot of people are, are taking aback back everyone's got their favorite teams and their favorite signings and when you tell them those stories people go oh yeah cool yeah i've got my story as well mine's better than yours but i tell them that one and they go wow that's actually <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty intense
2: no that's that's true i've to a lot of people about this game but that's the first time that's uh ended up in a you know, medical emergency. <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair play for that. What was your, uh, your, your other story? Hopefully it's not as, uh, not as dangerous.
5: <laughs> no, the next one's a, a fun story. Again, like anyone else, just a, a team that I've loved playing with. It was the 0102 version and I was in university with um, a couple of mates and uh, we actually moved out and lived on, on campus for, for a semester and uh, naturally the first thing we did was set up a championship manager game between the three of us. So, we all had a team. I was leads uh my one mate was Newcastle the other mate Chelsea so three pretty even teams similar transfer budgets and away we went <coughs> I started off pretty well now the rule we had was you could play the game and do all your transfer dealings and so on and so forth if one of the guys wasn't there or two of them uh, until it got to one of their actual games and then you had to save it of course and then wait for them to come home so they can manage their team in the game so I remember I had Rio Ferdinand in my Leeds team who in the 0102 version as many people will know is pretty much the best defender in the game. Oh yeah. Like he's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. No, no doubt. And um he's just dominating for me like averaging like close to 9 as a center back and I think he's worth about 25-30 million or something like that and AC Milan just kept bidding for him every single like, every single two days I was bidding. <laughs> and I I didn't want to sell him because I couldn't get any better for him. So I just kept rejecting their bids. I made him indispensable to the squad, but they just would not leave me alone. They kept bidding. So I'm like, this is getting annoying now because it's interrupting our game. So I put his asking price up all the way to the maximum, thinking, well, you know, that'll just stop them. they can't afford that and so on. And then they left me alone for a couple months or so. Anyway, I remember I had to go to my sister's birthday. So I said to my two mates, like, you guys play on until it gets to my game and then save it. No, no worries. I'm about two minutes down the road I get a call from <laughs> one of my mates and I can tell there's, like, anger in his voice. And he's like, you better come home. Uh, I go, why? They go, Milan's bid for Ferdinand again. I go, yeah. They're... So they always do that. What do they bid now? They go, £75 million. Pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, crazy money in that version of the game, oh, right? God, it's oh, 102 Oh, yeah. I mean, that's way beyond a world record. And I've just gone, what? It's like winning the lottery, right? Like, you've just got... <laughs> A blank check. And I've gone straight home. I'm like, I'm going to be late for my sister's birthday. I've got to complete this deal now. I can't let anything happen. So I've gone home. My mates are furious. They can't even look at me because they know that they am just going to be able to build a squad that they can't match with. Sold Ferdinand. Go to my sister's birthday. And all I can think about at my sister's birthday is who I'm going to buy with the 75 million pounds. <laughs> plus the rest I had in the bank. So probably about 100 million pounds to spend. Or well, who can I buy? And I just built this super team. It was like... Emil Impenza, straight away, quality striker in that version of the game. Um, Joe Cole I got you know, to join the likes of Kuhl and Robbie Keane in that game. And Pablo Amar in behind. Uh, John Welsh came as the right back. He, he dominated. I eventually got Vieira from Arsenal. eventually got Henri. The team was so good. I won the Champions League, Premier League double, I remember. The team was so good that I eventually got Arsene Wenger as an assistant coach wow. on about £50,000 a week. <laughs> He'd left Arsenal and he was happy to join me as an assistant. So I just dominated. And, uh, you know, I think it's good management and good signings and good tactics. My mates think I just won the lottery with Ferdinand and uh, that's, all, that's the only difference between that. But no, that was a, a great memory and definitely my number one team that I've ever played with in the game.
2: That's a great, a great story. And you have, you see <laughs> on that game as well, when you, had, when you had the money to spend, there's so many sort of gems. You, you can just go wild, yeah. can it's it's no surprise you cleaned up with that much money in the bank. Um, you mentioned uh, a few different memories there, obviously, but um, who would you say was your... Uh, if you had to have one player from, from, from Champions <laughs> Manager, who would it be if you had to take one? It was going to be who you'd remember the game by forever?
5: Yeah, the number one for me by a long, long way is Shono Samba. He's just... He's the one. He's the... You know, he's my, my favourite ever player in the game, the best striker I've ever used in the game. Whenever I could sign him, I would. Whenever I had the money, even when he was sort of 16 and you knew that it would take him a couple of years before he hit his straps, I'd always invest in him straight away and just, you know, put him in the reserves for half a season when he's 16 or play him off the bench because you know that he's going to just, by the time he's 18, completely dominate. So it was always Cherno Samba. He's my favourite in the game. And, uh, yeah, there's plenty of others who have been great, but is my number one sort of bargain signing that goes on to be ridiculously dominant. He always worked out for me. I know some people have differing stories on him, but for me, he always dominated. So, Shino's number one, and you know, I've read a lot about championship manager players and read their stories, the guys like Julius Agahoa and all these different players, Maxim Sigolko and these guys, and ones who dominated and others who didn't. Shino's just seems like a really nice guy. He follows me on Twitter, I follow him, and um, he just seems to be really appreciative of his championship manager story. He just seems to be You know, he knows that he had the talent, he didn't make the most of it for whatever reason, but he got a lot of contracts later on in his playing days, like in Sweden and Norway and places like this, Mm. parts of Scandinavia, purely because of his championship manager reputation. Like so many people knew him that he got contracts because of that, and I think he's well aware of that and actually quite grateful to the game for making him a somewhat we're talking about him now. Would we be talking about Chernobyl if he wasn't rated in the game? No chance. So I think he's very he's very appreciative of that, which I think is is a great attitude.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're completely right. I was, I was lucky enough to speak to him a few years ago when his book came out, and you're exactly right. He was just uh, very, uh, very down to earth, and uh, kind of appreciated that it didn't work out for him uh, because of the choices excuse he made. Me. You're right there.
5: <laughs> all good. Sorry, just, just coughing. Yeah. <laughs> you're not. Uh, oh, excuse me.
2: Not uh, playing a lot of champ all of a sudden. Now you're having another, another, another. No, <laughs> No, I'm no, no, not having another fit. No, I'm all good. I'm all good. <laughs> um, do you um, have you played any of the the modern the modern game, the modern versions? Uh, you know the football managers are out there now. Have you played any of them, or do you just think they're
5: too detailed? Um, yeah, a bit a bit too detailed. I have played them, and I've been I've, I've had a couple of good runs and enjoyed them, but a bit too detailed. Um, it's uh, it's not really for me anymore. And part of the reason why I don't play is I'm just worried about you know. A lack of productivity seeping in. I do know that I've got a mate who says you can play the O102 version with current day squads, and I'd love to do that. I'm a big Liverpool fan. I'd love to play with the current team and have some fun with them and see if we can win as much as the current team has. I'm sure I'd find a way to do it. But uh, <laughs> and yeah, I'd love to play. I'd love to play you know, with the O102 style with current day squads. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, so I'm keen to give that a go.
2: Yeah, you should, um, you should check. I think. it's same on one or two forums on Twitter um, or something I know one or two I can't what their, their Twitter handle is, but anyway there's a forum where there's a number, a number of dedicated people who have been updating the game um, they've, they're they pretty good with guides and things as well so there'll be a YouTube video how to get it to run on various you know Androids and iPads and things like that but also how to install these data updates so if you uh, if you do get the urge you can uh, head over there and they'll, uh, they'll keep you right but it's incredible really isn't it that people are still updating this game that's nigh on 20 years old um the dedication people do that but it again shows how popular it is as well that people want to want to update it rather rather than dabble with the newer ones which um you know for all they've stripped them back in some cases and done mobile versions of the games um they just haven't haven't laid a glove on some of these earlier games for whatever reason
5: yeah i mean it's just i I love the the old version for me it was just the, the simplicity of it always just number one and they they try you got to develop things i get it but nah for me 0102 is the best version there's ever been
2: yeah i think uh that's probably where the the community would would agree with you <laughs> i think it's uh that one's definitely first and is probably slightly behind it um but they're, they're, they're always the two that, that uh that's come up in these discussions um i want to ask you about um a few sort of non-champman things just while we're on um so, mm. my co-host, Ross, uh, is a huge Leeds fan in particular, um, Mark Verduga. Um The Australian football scene isn't, you know, if go back a few years, we had Viduca, we had Kuehl, we had Tim Cahill, um, countless others. There, there isn't really that level of style at the minute. We've got Aaron Moy, we've got Matt Ryan uh, in the Premier League at the minute, probably a few others. Um, mm. what, what's, where, where's the game for you at the minute in Australia? Is it... Uh, is it at those levels or is it?
5: Yeah, it's, it's obviously dipped a bit recently. I mean, the game goes through peaks and troughs in Australia. We've got a very competitive sporting market. Um, you know, a lot of sporting codes and a uh, much smaller population than, uh, than other parts of the world, of course. So, you know, the game has those moments where it lifts up and it's, it's thriving and then others where it plateaus a bit. It's probably in that plateau stage right now, the local league. I mean, the A-League's really good. It's a good standard. Um, I know people in the UK... Watch it from time to time and and enjoy it. We get some good players here. Adam LaFonda is flying here at the moment. You know, Reading fans remember him pretty well, along with some other clubs. Um, he's having a couple of great. He's had a couple of great seasons. Stevie Taylor, who of course uh, the Geordies will know very well, great oh, yes. guy, loves <laughs> loves it in this part of the world. He's in New Zealand, obviously, plays for Wellington, but just loves it here. Um, and he's been a great ambassador for the league. His attitude and his quality. He had a really good season for Wellington, and they they did really well. So. Um, He's been good. But, you know, there was a time when we had Del Piero and Dwight York and Janinho and Benito Carboni and, excuse me, so many other top-class players of that ilk. Robbie Fowler, um, you know, when he was still playing. That's, uh, you know, we've dipped down a bit in terms of the marquee since, but it's very competitive when it comes to marquee players and you know, the Aussie players as well. It's, it's just much harder to break into the top leagues now. So we're very proud of Matt Ryan and Aaron Moy. Tom Rogic has been going well at Celtic, he's about to move now. Um, but it's harder to get those players in the, in the Premier League for a variety of reasons, one of them being, yeah, we just don't have the same calibre of player coming through as we, as we once did, which is uh, is a shame. But I guess the one to watch for us is Daniel Arzani, who some people might remember was the second youngest player, I'm pretty sure, of the 2018 World Cup, came off the bench for Australia a few times and was excellent and was just so exciting and uh, Man City signed him after the World Cup. They loaned him to Celtic, but he did his knee in his first season. Now he's gone to Holland to try and rebuild things. He's still got the talent to be a top, top-class player. So uh, he's the one to watch out for, and there's a few others. But, uh, yeah, it's not quite the glory days. We know that all too well.
2: Yeah, and uh, what's the kind of... There was, was a hope they were going to get the World Cup, as I remember, many years ago. Not maybe was it, what, three or four years ago, when the bidding took place for... 2022 and obviously Qatar won out for whatever reason um yeah and now you've got the the women's world cup in 2023 yeah is there still a hope that they'll get the the men's world cup there one day
5: hopefully the women's world cup's a big step 2022 yeah we were burnt by Qatar and everything that went on there the same as England was and uh yeah I mean we had a frosty relationship with FIFA since as a result because we lost a lot of money on that bid but the women's world cup for 2023 is a great step uh, for Australia, our, our women's national team is really strong, the Matildas. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. That's going to be great for the game. And then, um, yeah, hopefully that will lead to a bit of trust from FIFA that they need to take a bit of, more of a bold step and have the World Cup in Australia, where we would do an incredible job, of course, and uh, and host the tournament here. That's the uh, that's the hope. And I think this Women's World Cup, when we do it super successfully, will will lead to that eventually somewhere down the line.
2: Yeah, I think Australia's always done a good job with, with sport and events. You obviously take your sport, you know, every bit of series as the UK does, and we've seen, you know, big cricket events and things. Um, where there's no doubt they'll be capable of putting on a great World Cup, and I'm sure you'll do the Women's World Cup justice in a couple of years' time. Um, why do you think the um, the women's team is, you know, probably one of the strongest in the world, and the men's team is, well, you know, disrespectful, not really that, that high up? Yeah. What do you think the reason is for that?
5: I just think in the, the women's sporting market here, it's similar to the USA. Um, it's just, you know, we're a very strong sporting nation. Um, and football, soccer, has always been just a really attractive sport for females to play. And we've just been able to bring through so many talents as a result. So, I mean, the men's is obviously just, there's more countries that play it. It's, it's a fair bit more competitive, no doubt about that. Um, you know, we've just been able to breakthrough in the women's game a lot better as a result and and bring through some quality players so yeah we've got a a golden generation of players now led by Samantha Kerr who plays for Chelsea and uh, and it's fantastic to see so hopefully they can challenge for the next Olympics and and try win a medal there and then in the next World Cup hopefully um, you know make it to the final or something that would be great but it's similar to the USA where you know there's just so many young girls play soccer and and come through the ranks.
2: No, I was always interested to know, and as you mentioned, like Sam Kerr is obviously a world star, um, so hopefully, from mm. the men's point of view, there'll be, you know, the next Viduc Rock, he'll through at some point. <laughs> um, I want to mention your podcast as well, I was checking this out earlier today, um, Great with Garby, um, you've got a, a number of, you know, people will think, oh, he's, he's got a lot of Australian guests on, but you've also got, you know, like, Jamie Carragher's been on, um, mm. which, you know, big huge name over here, obviously, big thrill for you being a Liverpool fan, to, to speak to Carragher, yeah. how, how did that come about?
5: Yeah, I met Jamie when I was in the UK, working there, and interviewed him a few times, and always got on well with him, and uh, asked him to come on when I started the podcast, and he was happy to, and and that was a great thrill, and obviously was received very well over here, and uh, did very well, and uh, it was just a great chat, I mean, it was just great stories and details about his career, and and his time at Liverpool, and everything that happened there, so I'm sure many fans will agree, will, will enjoy listening to it, but also... His relationship with Gary Neville, we spoke about a lot. <laughs> their work they do on TV together. I think it's the best television combination in sports anywhere in the world. They are brilliant, the two of them together. Yeah. Um, and we spoke a bit about that and their chemistry and uh, and how they go together, and, and that was really interesting. So I enjoyed that immensely. Uh, but there's a few others. Mila Yannanak Aston Villa fans will know he was actually my inaugural episode. I know Mila, and uh, he was the first interview I had when I started the podcast. So that was a big thrill. Brett Holman Aston Villa fans might remember. He played a season there, so he's come on and had a chat. And Craig Foster, who would have been in the ninety-seven, ninety-eight version, he played for Portsmouth and Crystal Palace. So he's a very big name in football over here. He, he spoke a lot about that as well, along with some other issues. So uh, there's been a fair few football interviews. There'll be plenty more for sure. But there's also a few from other sports too.
2: Great. So it's great with Garvey. Check that out on all your usual podcast places. Um, you hear Dan speaking to the names mentioned, and also many more to come. Um, Ross has asked me to find out when is Mark Vaduka coming on?
5: <laughs> it's funny. like Mark Vaduka, he was so absent from public life and football life for a while. It was like the Loch Ness Monster Mystery with, with Big Dukes. Where is he? Anywhere in the world? What's going on with him? You know, he was such a big talking point in Australian football. And there were rumours that he was just sailing in his yacht off the coast of Croatia for time on ends, and, uh, and he had nothing to do with football but uh, he's actually resurfaced again lately and he's done a lot of media interviews he's he's come out from the cold if you like he lives in Croatia it's a little cafe, cafe in, a, in Zagreb that he runs and he enjoys a little coffee shop and uh, he's really interested in Australian football now and wants to make a difference so he's done a lot of interviews recently and he's quite vocal in the game so if you google Big Dukes, um, you'll find out plenty from him from a uh, recent interview. So hopefully I will at some stage. it would be good to get him on. I have been speaking to Harry Keel, so your Leeds co-host will be happy with that. Harry uh, hopefully will come on at some stage, but he's very busy at the moment, obviously, with his work at Oldham. He's just got the job there, so uh, he's trying to make waves in management. He's got a lot to manage um, on and off the field there at Oldham. But uh, I'd love to get Harry on as well. He's obviously... One of our favourites, one of our golden boys with great stories to tell from his time at Leeds, so uh, yeah, one of the two, but I mean, they're the two best footballers Australia's ever produced, along with a few others, but some great talents. but uh, I mean, Kewell and Dukes back in the day when they were dominating for Leeds, I mean, that just gave Australian football so much joy and had such a big impact on the game here.
2: Yeah, we'll look out for that then. Hopefully, you can uh, you can track Varduka down. Um, I, I have to say, I love Varduka when he was at Newcastle as well. He was only he wasn't here very long. We probably got him just after his <laughs> after his best, really. But uh, yeah, he uh, he made us a better team when he was in it. And uh, I think the story was that he kind of got injured and uh, was kind of written off. And then Shearer came in to manage the last eight games, I think it was, and basically said to Varduka, you "Up for it?" And he said, "Well, of course." So he he had a, yeah. he had a good go trying to keep us up, but uh, couldn't quite do it. But uh, I always liked him when he played for us, so hopefully we can track him down.
5: Yeah, he's class, world class. <laughs>
2: um, we'll finish with uh, a game we like to play, which is uh, Champman Five A Side. Um, so I'm going to ask you <laughs> to, to name your Champman Five A Side team from any version of the game. Um, and uh, there's really, it you know, doesn't have, have to be a very balanced team. It could be any five players, okay. really. Um, sure. probably, probably should have a goalkeeper, but uh, after that, yeah. it's up to you. So who, who would you have between the sticks?
5: Okay, so I'm going to pick this team. It's not necessarily going to be the best players, although there'll be some good ones. I'm going to pick this team based on the players I think of first when I when I try and remember my championship manager days. Perfect. The ones who stood out for me, be it impact on my squad or signings or so on and so forth. The first names that come to mind in every position. Goalkeeper's are a bit tough. There was a goalkeeper, Matt, I think it was a Matt Day, that was always available on a free transfer and... The 97, 98 version. He comes to mind. But the number one is Dieter. I had him for no. that Leeds team I spoke about. I think he was one of the players I signed when I had the big money. And, uh, yeah, he dominated for me for years. It was just put him in the... He was the one position I just didn't change. I just left him there for, like, 10 years. Uh, and he was quality. So, Dieter in goal. Great choice. Uh, in defence, I mean, everyone remembers this player when it comes to 0 one the 2 If you had a decent enough team, it's the one player you always signed on a free, no matter how big your team was. <laughs> Rebo Tari, West. The defender left centre. Um, he just shored up a part of the park for you straight away. So Taribo uh, West at the back, no doubt, got to be done. Um, another one in midfield, a player I always liked who some others may not remember as fondly. But for me, he always performed. And that's Zé Elias. Do you remember him from my oh, one? Yeah, Bra- yeah. Bra- Brazilian defensive midfielder. I always invested a lot of money in him. And he, he just always shored up my midfield, always played well loved having that impact on the team so zet elias would be one uh, pablo aymar would be another i mean yeah. that Leeds team i i signed him straight away and he was just absolute quality so pablo aymar would slot into the midfield i always felt like i was signing like a creme de la creme yeah, world he's... football star when i signed aymar like oh, i always absolutely. felt like i was some sort of football connoisseur <laughs> like, you know the argentinian wizard so uh, he was one that that stands out. And then it's got to be Cherno Samba up top. He was just, uh, just a gem. My favourite ever player in the game. The, the goals he banged in were just legendary. So it's got to be Cherno leading the line. Well, the team would
2: take some beating. It's nice balanced as well. I know I said don't have to be balanced, but you've got a, you've got a defensive mid in there. You've got an attacking mid. You've got, obviously, Samba who get your goals. Um, <laughs> p- perfect. It's, uh, it's going to take some beating, I think. Um Dan I've uh, I've really enjoyed our chat but uh, I'm gonna let you get on with your day but where can um, where can people find you on Twitter and any of the social media you've got
5: yeah so Twitter is just at Daniel Garb so Daniel G-A-R-B one word jump on talk championship manager with me please happy <laughs> to um yeah the podcast is Grace with Garby on all your podcast networks and uh We'll talk there. I've got one more funny story talking about Australian links to Championship Manager or Football Manager, if you want. There's one more story I forgot to mention. So this just shows how people in the game love it so much. I mean, all the players I speak to in the A-League, they still play it and still love it. Adam LaFondra, who plays here, he always talks about it. But um, there's a funny story. The World Cup in 2014, talk about the game having an impact on one's football knowledge and their ability to learn about players and tactics. So 2014 World Cup in Brazil, our manager at the time, a guy called Antje Postacoglu, brilliant football manager, he won the Asian Cup with us, did so well with the Australian team. He's now managing Yokohama, F Marinos in Japan, won the J League title with them in his first season without speaking the language. That shows what a quality manager he is. Anyway, someone I know was working with the team in that 2014 World Cup and uh, they're sort of sitting in in an airport waiting to catch a plane between cities for their, their final group game against Spain. And everyone's sort of... Standing around talking, whatever, and he looks across and, and he sees, um, you know, the, the coach on his laptop just just staring at the screen. And he walks around. And he thinks, what's he doing at the moment? What's going on? And he sees that he's playing Football Manager, <laughs> the Australian coach in the middle of a World Cup. And he thinks, oh well, you know, he's probably sort of scouring the opposition, trying to look at some of the Spanish players, their strengths, weaknesses, blah blah blah. He looked closer, and he's like managing Port Vale. <laughs> 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 Like in English League Two or something, or League One, in the middle of a World Cup, he's playing his save game with Port Vale. So, I thought that was a funny story. It just no. goes to show no. that you know, even people invested in the game to that extent still love the game, but also probably learn a lot from it and and sharpen up their skills tactically. Um, you know, from a game that has had such a big impact on it all. I mean,
2: oh, that's fantastic. He obviously got the job as a manager, and then in his spare time, plays a job as a manager. Yeah. He is absolutely <laughs> bitten by the management bug. <laughs> yeah, fair, exactly fa- right. Fair play, fair play to him. We'll uh, we'll see if we will get him on next month. <laughs> ah, <Yeah. laughs> oh, Dan, that's a great story to finish with. I think. But uh, thanks so much for giving us your time. Um, so appreciate you getting up early for us, and uh, hopefully, um, it doesn't ruin the rest of your day so uh, thanks again and we'll, uh, we'll speak to you soon
5: thanks mate
2: that's it then for another episode of Champman on the Post once again my thanks to Steve and Nick and Daniel for their time we really appreciate it it could of course be you on a future episode if you have an interest in back same background please get in touch we'd love to hear from you and who knows, we could be chatting to you later in the month. Ross has buggered off uh, before we record the outro, but thanks uh, as always for stitching this together, mate. Uh, you can follow Ross on Twitter at RossBell1984. And in a quick shameless plug, Ross is back on my blog cm9798.co.uk with a regular Saturday offering of trying to make Leeds great again uh, again uh, in 1997. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at CM9798, and as mentioned, there's a new blog on the site every day at the moment, so please do check it out. Uh, You can find the podcast, Man on the Post, and all the usual places, including Acast and Spotify, and of course on Twitter, at Man on the Post. Thanks again for listening. Uh, We'll be back later this month with episode 9, but for now, always remember to keep your man on the post.